Welcome to the Ron Johnson Discipleship Podcast. Thanks again for tuning in and spending some time with us on this uh, week, getting ready to ramp up and celebrate the greatest event in human history. As we're talking about Christian worldview, it doesn't get any better than, than this week, celebrating the resurrection of Jesus, which makes all the truth that we're talking about all the more uh, with an exclamation point on the end of it, because yeah. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And so talk a little bit about our, our schedule so folks can uh, be ready for this tomorrow night. Yeah, we have a busy weekend. Yeah. We start out with Good Friday services Friday night at 4 and 6 p.m. Yeah, I'm especially excited about that because we've not celebrated communion as a family, church yeah. family, for a while, and we're going to be able to do that, so that's going to be really, really fun. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. And then Easter, we are expanding beyond our Sunday morning service just to make room for our uh, visiting guests. So we're, we're having a Saturday night Easter service. At yep. 4 and 6 p.m. And that's the first for us. The so that's first time, history yeah. making here. At it is history making. We never had a Saturday night service before, huh? In the history of the not, 40 well, years I think history. We, I think we might have momentarily, but certainly not for Easter. Okay, gotcha. And, uh, and of course, what we're trying to do is create a little more space in between services yes. because uh, of our parking situation. So. Right. So on Sunday morning, we're going to have services at 8.30 and 10.30 just to give that in-between time a little break. Yeah, so a little more exhale, not yes. quite as rushed, and uh, we're really excited about that. So that represents about six services for us in three yeah. days. So it's going to be a, a busy weekend, but I like the difference between busy and, and meaningful. This is going right. to be probably the most awesome three days as we uh, celebrate Christ's death, his burial, his resurrection, and uh, and just rejoice in what it means to be a lover and follower of Jesus Christ. So yeah. uh, that's a, that's an exciting note on a, on a more... Uh, a sad note, of course, uh, we're still processing through all that happened uh, with the uh, tragic shooting at the Presbyterian Church down in Tennessee. Um, you and I were talking, though, from a from a uh, podcast. The Christian school. The Christian school, yeah. Yeah, yeah uh, three uh, nine-year-old children and I believe three of the staff that were murdered in this uh, terrible shooting. Um, but you and I talking about it from a worldview perspective and uh, and talk about, you know, what you saw Tucker Carlson's approach, which I thought was very interesting. Yeah, I, you know, I normally <clears throat> don't watch a lot of like mainstream news and whatnot that showed up on my feed that I follow. And, and yeah. Tucker Carlson, who I wouldn't consider like a overt Christian, I mean, right. he's definitely conservative, but he, he mentioned a clash between, uh, because this person, the shooter, identified as a trans, transgender, mm -hmm. and he really talked about the clash in worldview between the transgender ideology and the Christian ideology, yeah. and the way he framed it was very interesting. Yeah. Well, and I, I was just going to say, for years, in the, even in the state of Indiana, when R the RIFRA bill was gutted and basically overturned back in the day, that we became the center of media attention. Mm -hmm. Uh, I had been arguing for the entire time that there there is no common ground between those worldviews. It's yeah. it's not like um, good and evil, so to speak. Although we would certainly call uh, ideas that are they're not in line with Scripture evil. But the point was, there's politicians are always looking for common ground. Yeah. How do we come together? How do we find common ground? And it, and if you understand things from a biblical world or just a worldview perspective, you yeah. realize that there are certain foundational presuppositions that if those if those foundational presuppositions are diametrically opposite, opposed to each other, there is no common ground. Right. It's like on the life issue, you know, abortion issue. Either that is a human life and it should be protected and sacred and, and you protect the sanctity of life, or you don't. There's, there's no, like, common ground as it relates to abortion. And there's certainly, as you're pointing out, and as Tucker Carlson is pointing out, from a worldview perspective, 
There is no common ground between a Judeo-Christian understanding of gender, of sexuality, and the LGBTQ uh, worldview. And, yeah. uh, and he, he recognizes that. It's very interesting. He says basically there are cla- there, there's no compromise because the Judeo-Christian perspective is that we are not gods and we don't get to dictate certain things. Right. We are like simply- gender. Gender, yeah, among others. We are we're sinners. <laughs> we need God to help us. We're not gods. Whereas the other ideology is saying, uh, basically, it, it, essentially, I am a type of a God that I get to dictate my gender, I get to d- dictate my identity, what I identify as, yeah. and so forth and so forth. And I just thought, man, what an interesting analysis from someone who I would consider not exactly very Christian-y worldview person. You right. know, but he's seeing that, you know. And we've talked about this for years in the in the media. We use the word media bias. Um, why is it that Christians can't ever get a fair shake? And in other words, what we're saying is, why doesn't the media reflect our viewpoint accurately? And so we talk about media bias. But if you're a, a trained journalist and you're you've not been raised as a Christian, or you've been trained in our universities, which are incredibly liberal and leftist. Um, then that's that provides the framework or the lens by which you interpret what's going on. Yeah. And so we've already f- found studies done that most journalists, I believe it's 90-some percent of journalists, do not share a Judeo-Christian worldview. So it should not come as any surprise that when you look at the treatment of the media on this issue, and I think it was Senator Josh Hawley from the state of Missouri, uh, was commenting, he said, this, this has been atrocious, the, the, the coverage. There's a mocking of prayer. Mm-hmm. There is a pointing out that Tennessee passed what we would call common sense moral legislation that says it's wrong to mutilate the bodies of, of uh, young children who are confused about their gender ideology, largely because of the teaching and instruction that they're receiving. Um, and uh, and they mocked all of that and said if Tennessee would have passed stricter gun legislation, then we wouldn't be having these problems. Right. So not only are they rubbing our noses in our faith, and this was a, as we've seen, this was a clearly planned. There was a manifesto. There was maps of the building. I mean, this was this was um, a murderous plot right from the beginning, and it was rooted in anti-Christian hatred. So. Um, you know, it, this, is, this is a perfect example of two worldviews colliding, and the end result is this, you know, violent attack against some innocent children and teachers, uh, and, and it's tragic. But what's most tragic is, is the worldview disconnect happening right now in America, because we, we would have, years ago, we would have looked at this at least through a common Judeo-Christian lens. That lens, I believe, is gone. Yeah. And, and, and so not th- this, I believe this is, as long as the media... Uh, is controlled uh, by those on the left that do not share a Judeo-Christian worldview. This is the kind of treatment Christians are going to be receiving uh, with no end in sight until we can we can reclaim that mountain of uh, of culture. And right now, more and more people have less and less trust in our media, and and which <clears throat> in the in the in the scheme of the whole thing is not a good is not a good thing for our culture for our nation because we need reporting agency that's going to tell us what's going on right and or, at least, less, or at least remember we used to report news right we didn't we didn't have biased you know journalistic narratives. slants yes. and narratives yeah. uh so if if they could get back to just telling us what happened then we would be able to have some honest disagreement uh, yeah. about why it happened right. but nevertheless man our hearts and prayers go out to to this community that's been impacted i mean we were talking uh, you know, just in our own church here, uh, you have young children. I've raised children. We have yeah. 
you know, we're educating children. I mean, th these are things that hit home to, to all of us. And so, uh, but I, I, again, Josh Hawley's interpretation as a senator, uh, I appreciate he's a strong Christian. And he said basically that this is due to the moral rot and decay that's in our country. We would view that type of behavior sexually as moral rot. It's, it's, it's behavior that God has specifically condemned. Uh, these people are not born this way. This is just not who we are. Just accept us for who we are. No, like like you got to initially with Tucker Carlson's view. We are not God. We don't get to make up the rules. Yep. Um, we are created male or female, and God has also specifically spoken on sexual ethics that he expects us to abide by. <clears throat> and civilized nations have abided by. When you have moral decay and moral rot, uh, you end up having this type of tragic, uh, you know, uh, murder and loss of life. It's its an inevitable result. We need a spiritual awakening in America, and I guess that's where the church comes in, and that's where this podcast and other things come in. Yeah, yeah that's what we're discussing it. So anyway, uh, Lord, help us as a nation. Let's get back. We've been we've been in a tremendous book, the book that made your world. Um, we've been encouraging this. In fact, I was talking to some folks uh, who have told me they they purchased this book. It's a it's a worthy uh, use of your resources. But we're talking today about the the topic of technology. And once again, what I love about this book is it's a cross-cultural um, book. In other words, you have someone from a Western worldview, I'm sorry, Eastern worldview, looking at the West through that lens and asking great questions. And I love this question. Why do women, especially in Eastern cultures, why do women carry water on their heads? I've been you know, on Mission Field a lot, so have you. Uh, you know, you're driving in your vehicle along uh, some dusty road, and there you see a lady carrying all kinds of things on her head, not just water, but carrying food and vegetables. And you see these these women with this huge weight walking down the street. Uh, sometimes they even have little contraptions for the top of their head to right. balance it. Um, and and he began, the author just began asking the question, why in the world would any culture allow a woman to carry that kind of weight on her on her head and he asked the question why don't american women do that and so once you travel from east to west you realize that in countries that have been impacted from a judeo-christian worldview the women aren't doing these things and he begins asking a really good question why uh and he brought up some good points you know like what about pumping technology? Did, wasn't that created in the East? And he says, yes, it was in his home nation of India. They had pumping technology, and yet their women were still carrying water on their heads. So if you have pumping technology, why do you still see that? Then he talks about things like wasted labor, mm -hmm. like spending hours and hours and hours trying to just move water from one point to another point. That's a drain on your economy because it's not an efficient use right. of of power of string. Right. Um, he says, how about this one? Women are working their tail ends off while the guys are sitting around playing cards. Right. So what does it say about a culture where men allow their women to do all the hard work and while they just sit around uh, either drinking right. and playing cards or basically doing nothing? Right. And these are questions that if you grew up in the West, you would never ask. Yeah, we don't, wouldn't even think about it. You wouldn't think about it, right? Yeah, our moms, our moms were never walking miles carrying water right. on their heads. It's in contrast of different culture, different lifestyles, different perspectives where we start to find, oh, well, that's what makes one culture different. 
and what makes one culture special. And that's why I love his perspective. Well, He's asking true. the question, where do, where are these innov- where do these necessity for innovation come from? Because it's not just like, oh, one group is smarter than the other group inherently, because it's not, because the Eastern cultures came up with some of the original technology but it's not propagated. So we would say yeah. the, the difference between East and West uh, is not a racial divide. It's not that God made some people smarter or more innovative or more creative than others. And, right. In other words, cre- being created in the image and likeness of God is a great equalizer. Transcends, it makes, it yeah. makes us Transcends all equally race. awesome. Yes. So, so what's the difference? And, right. and, you know, so think about this on a practical level. If your mom's lugging, you know, several gallons of water on her head from a long distance and you finally get that water home, it's pretty precious. So are you taking baths with it? it probably not. Right. Are you spending extra water to wash things to make sure things are incredibly clean? Are you washing the, your, your cutlery to make sure that the knives you're using to prepare the food, that they're clean? Yeah. You know, you're probably not. Are you bathing enough? No. Are you brushing your teeth enough? No. Are you drinking enough water? Yeah. No. Because it took your mom hours to get that water from point A to point B. And, uh, and so the, his whole point is now you're dealing with health crises. Yep. And then the health crises are another drain on the economy because right. you're spending all this time curing diseases that would be unnecessary. They're not even diseases that the right. West has to deal with or the Judeo-Christian rooted nations are even right. addressing. Uh, we had uh, the waterworks come and work on our house, you know, one time. You ever yeah. had that before? Yeah. And you, you can't use water for like four hours, right? Because, right. you know, you get to know this. And that's when you know this. Wow, how important running water is to our survival. Oh, yeah. You don't think about it until you lose it, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. These are things that we just take for granted. Right. But, like, if you saw your mom or your sisters having to run off every morning and come back to bring you that water, and then you had to boil the water uh, to try to keep it from killing you because right. of all the impurities. Right. And then super precious, and you barely will ever use it. Oh, yeah. No, like, you're definitely not taking a nice long hot shower, right? right. Which is yeah. something that we take for granted. So he brings out a good point. Why did the West begin using their minds to do what most cultures use their muscles? And that's a great introduction to the whole notion of technology. What is it about using our minds in the West that's different than just people just doing it the hard way? Yeah. With bra- the toil and back-breaking uh, back uh, toil labor, and yeah. labor. Uh, and he calls technology, I love this phrase, the magic of the mind. He says, when you use the mind, the water brings itself to you, yeah. and the water produces electricity, and the electricity pumps the water literally right into your house. So think about, like, we've grown up taking it for granted. I mean, I walk over to the sink, I flip up the, 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 the knob, and water, cold water or hot water, comes right to Amazing. me. Amazing. It, it comes it's, right it into magic. my cup. I don't yeah. have to go after yeah. it. I don't have to pursue it. I don't have to go down to the river. The water doesn't stay in the river. The right. river comes to me. Right. Now, again, we take these things for granted, um, but this is all what we call technology. This is, this is using our minds to take dominion over matter right. and to have the water come to me instead of me having to run and chase after the water. But the West, in the West, every kid growing up in America takes this for granted. How about this? We go over to the wall and we flip on the switch and instantly the darkness becomes light. Amazing how that happens until right. you don't until you don't have it because of a storm or something, right? And then you realize how vulnerable you are. But that's how most of the world lives, yeah. Especially in Eastern cultures. Now, this is interesting. You and I chatted about this. He said the phrase that a necessity is the mother of invention is actually not always true. Yeah. 
and he gave the example of water. Talk about that a little bit. I thought that was that was interesting because yeah. we all we all have need for water. Right? Yeah, if, if there's a necessity, <coughs> a literal necessity, it'll be water. Yeah, we but, can't live without it. But why is it that some of these other Eastern nations, even though they have they have the technology designed, they have the mind to create those technology, did not propagate it so that most of the society has that technology, even though there is a necessity for water? He so, asked that question. Yeah, so in the East, if you're, okay, we all recognize water as a necessity, so I need to have more wives because I need to have, <laughs> I need to get a couple extra wives to keep right. hauling that water on their heads because it's a necessity, or I need to force my children or to- More slaves. Or slaves, yeah. or you're going to, in other words, yeah, then water is still the necessity, but it doesn't mean that I'm going to invent- ways to get it to me. I'm just going to come up with more people that I can in, in, empower or enslave yeah. to do that work. And so it's interesting, you know, for instance, he talks about Gandhi. Gandhi opposed Western technology, uh, probably because it was Western and, and it was a reaction against it. Mm -hmm. So again, there there was there was uh, generate water or electricity generated through power plants that used that to for certain things, but then on other practical means, especially as it relates to, to home economics, it was never employed. So you might have a, an electric generator that provided some type of energy for the community, but it was never brought into the home. It was never part of the domestic life. Yeah. Uh, because, again, uh, it goes back to their worldview. I like uh, He brings out the point, too, that Huxley and some of these Western atheists were accusing Christians in our worldview of creating an environmental disaster. And I couldn't help. Now, you and I like to talk about movies, which I hardly go see any of them. But the the, the second round of Avatar came out, which mm -hmm. I automatically knew. I'm not watching this movie because it embodies everything that we're talking about today. Uh, technology used to tear into the ecosystem, and it's all rooted in capitalism and militaristic empowerment of nations. And we got to get back to nature and right. and you know pantheism and all this kind of stuff, which right. is so what we realize in real life produces nothing but absolute poverty. But I think they're trying to address the fact that the technology that came out of a Judeo-Christian worldview could be used for evil purposes. Yeah, I, I thought there was a paradox here, right? On one hand, we're Christians who are being accused of anti-science. We're anti-innovation, anti-technology, anti-logic. Right. We're all into the supernatural God thing that you can't right. scientifically quantify, right? <laughs> but on the flip side, we're also to be blamed for the ecological disaster <laughs> based on technology. I'm like, well, which is it, yeah. right? Yeah, right? exactly. We're, we're, we're fault for being not technology-driven, not scientific, and we're at fault for using technology to destroy the environment. Like, pick a lane, guys. Which yeah. one is it? No, yeah. but, you, but you bring out a really good point. It's like they use the, they, they use all the technology and innovation that came out of the Christian worldview to beat us up with it when, when they don't like the results of it. But here's what I love about the Christian worldview. The Christian worldview explains even the improper application of technology. Yeah. We, we've seen, you know, we talked about this in some of these totalitarian countries with all the uh, the uh, cameras yeah. and the surveillance, surveillance uh, cultures, that would be a wicked application of technology because it's used to control people. But the problem is not innovation. The problem is the wicked application of innovation due to sin. Yeah. And so even there, the Christian worldview explains, yes, we're very creative. We're made in the image and likeness of God. Uh, we're called to develop and create and steward the environment. But because we're fallen... We, and because there's sin, 
sinful people will use great technology for evil purposes. You know, we talked about that with even with all the video and everything. You know, you, you can use video and you can use your phone for all kinds of righteous purposes, or you can use at your fingerprint, you know, fingertips, you can use that t- same technology for evil and to corrupt people. Yeah. And so he brings out the point. I thought this was good. Technology is the fruit of a biblical worldview, and humanizing technology came from biblical theology. And so, I think you need to distinguish between humanism, which we don't like, right. and humanizing technology. What does that mean? Yeah, you know, that's a good point. So so he brings out the point that, that to correct a lot of our uh, uh, secularized Western thinking, that somehow science gave rise to technology. Um, but that's just not true. Because if there was not a humanizing culture that Christianity helps to create, in other words, in other words, Christianity brought us a worldview that says you and I are valuable because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And so when you look at people involved in, uh, in toil, in backbreaking work, in dehumanizing work, in painful work, in mindless, repetitive tasks, uh, Christians would say, wait a minute, there's got to be a better way to do this. Like you see some poor woman uh, in an African country with, you know, we've seen this before, with a big jug on her head walking for miles in the heat. And a Christian would say, wait a minute, that's not treating that woman in the image and likeness of God. There's, there must be a better way we can get that water from here to there. Uh, but, but again, if you're not a Christian, you're not even thinking that way. In other words, it's a Christian worldview that the humanizing worldview, yeah. not humanistic. It's not man-centered, but it's it's a worldview that says, wait a minute, it's a compassionate worldview. We What can we do to alleviate the burden, the toil, the agony, right. the torment that's involved in so much work? Right. And so it kind of gets back, and you can touch on this, it kind of gets back to the whole notion that for the Christian, work itself is worship. It's not toil. What's the difference right. between work and toil? And and this this is a massive worldview dividing point right. between East and West. Yeah, it's interesting because, you know, in in the Bible, in in Genesis, God talks about the toil of, as a curse. Right. But the Christian worldview also said Christ came to redeem all of that, right? right. So, 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 so there is a there is nuance to all of this. Is yes, there is toil, and sometimes you have to go through toil. But the original purpose for work is inventive, it's creative. God told us to take dominion right. of the world. We're not supposed to. We're not victim to our our environment. Right. God says, take dominion of it. it. Means create, innovate, and 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 these thinkers, these Western thinkers, when they saw the application of the Scripture, says, you know what? We need to rise above toil, and part of rising above toil is innovating using these technologies to take away the mundane work so that we can innovate and and do creative work. And that spark launched technology, not just the creation of technology, but to propagate technology throughout society so more and more people can avoid toil and focus on creation. So here's a great example. There was a Christian economist who went over to India, and there was a massive road project going on. And of course, I've been to India. It can be the heat can just be sweltering, all right. And when you're out trying to put in a a highway, for instance, uh, we've watched all the work just on our facility. A lot of work, uh, moving things and grading things and digging holes and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and so the Christian economist went up to the to the uh, uh, this would be an Indian, you know. Uh, uh, manager of the project, and he said, "Why don't you, 
use heavy equipment. You know, we've got massive cranes, trucks, plows, you know, uh, earth movers. Like, why don't you use that? And he said, well, because we're creating jobs for people. And the Christian economist made a joke. He said, if you're creating jobs for people, if that's your goal, why don't you take away their shovels and give them a spoon? You know, I mean, <laughs> they'll have a job for a long time. Yeah. But the difference is the Christian's saying there's got to be an easier way than having all these people out here in 100-degree temperatures with a shovel trying to move all this dirt when you can have one piece of equipment that's been the product of ingenuity and technology. You're going to have one piece of earth-moving equipment that can do this job in a fraction of a second. Um, but that's the, that's the difference, again, as you point out, between backbreaking toil and using our minds, which is part of what it means to be created in the image and likeness of God, to create. You know, God, he points out a couple of, of really good points here. God is a creator. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so Adam was created to take care of the earth that God created. And I love this, not to transcend it or to despise it. That's what Eastern worldviews do. Your goal is either to transcend creation or to hate it. But our, our worldview says, no, we're meant to take dominion and steward the creation and create right. with what God himself has, right. has created. If you, you know, live in a hotel... You know, and you're going to be there for a week. Are you going to, like, nicely care for everything, buy nice furniture, and, like, learn all about the hotel room? No, you're there for two days and you're gone, right? right. Whereas if it's your house, you've you invested in it, it's your inheritance, right. your parents' house, they gave it to you, take good care of it. You're going you're gonna to spend a lot more energy studying knowing the house. And Absolutely. I think that's, that's a practical worldview changing mindset towards reality if you think this this world is just a two-day hotel and you're supposed to transcend it that's your goal you're moving to a better place or trash it you're gonna trash it exactly yeah. or not just do anything about it but god say no you're supposed to be steward of our world so god is creator us steward in creation uh emphasizing intelligent craftsmanship because god himself is an incredible craftsman we can see his handiwork all around us uh, and then this is good. The Bible taught us to follow the divine example of using phys- the physical universe for righteous ends. In other yeah. words, we believe that because the universe was created on purpose and by design, that we can find uh, things that God has embedded, whether it's laws, properties, etc., in the universe and use them for good. We can yeah. take things and develop them and make them into useful products. Uh, and then lastly, this is a huge one, the Bible taught us to use time wisely. Now, this is this is massive. Eastern culture and Western culture, as it relates to time, are miles apart, and we, and we need to understand the why. Like, if you've ever been into a co- country ministering, as I know we have, <laughs> and you say the meeting starts at 10 o'clock, well, you show up, a Westerner will show up at 9.45. Right. That's and, a virtual to show up early. Yeah, be it's early. It's a virtual to be early. Be yes. early, because time matters to us. Yeah. But in many Eastern cultures, if you say the meeting starts at 10, it might start really at noon. And Westerners are frustrated because they're like, where is everybody? Oh, they're coming, they're coming. But there is a lack of value on time. Now, talk about this. So so how does the Judeo-Christian worldview teach us to maximize and value time and be conscious, time conscious? It's, It's so interesting because, you know, we talk about like running water, we take that for granted. We take the concept of a linear like limited time frame for granted in American culture. Like we have calendars, we have clocks. When you say, hey, we're going to do a podcast, I put my calendar. Yeah, and we're like, here. All that concept is, is we take it for granted. The reason Christians has that understanding of time is because the Bible talks about a beginning 
a middle and there's an end and there's a judgment date. It's right. a linear time frame, right? right? It right. doesn't teach about the cyclical reincarnation that goes around and around. It's right. a time is meaningless if ends. it's just an endless cycle. It's not a highway. It's a it's a it's a roundabout that right. you never get out of. Well, right. in that case, what's the hurry? No We're not going anywhere, yeah. anyways, right? Yeah. Yeah, and time itself in Eastern uh, worldview becomes a, a, an illusion. It's, it doesn't it really exist. Yeah. You're trying You're not to trying to accomplish it. anything. You're just trying to get out of it. But, but think of all the biblical commands, you know, um, redeem the days or redeem the yes. time for the days are evil. David said, Lord, help me to number my days. In other words, I only have, I, I want to live in light of eternity. I want to make my life count. I want to have, we talk, we preach this stuff. You know, I want to have the biggest impact I, I can pop possibly have in the time that I have limited here. These are all Western ways of thinking that have been influenced by the scriptures, and it's just not common uh, for Hindus or Buddhists or Islamic folks to think in these ways um, because that's not part of their worldview. Uh, It is a uniquely uh, Christian worldview. Now, I like this point that he makes, too, about Christian compassion. He said, why did Christian monks develop technology, whereas Eastern monks did not? This was, um, this was hilarious. First <laughs> of all, lighting at the same time. First of all, he identified that both monks had the same problem. They not, they don't have wives, so when it comes to household management and helping with food and preparing yeah. meals and all this, the monks are left to themselves. They got they had to get their own water, <laughs> yeah. and then they very quickly was like, uh, "We got to innovate." <laughs> well, it's funny because the Buddhist monks. They had no problem begging for food. Yes, yeah, that's, that's, yes. that's consistent with their worldview. That's world very view. interesting, yeah. But Christian monks say, or Christianity teaches, no, you don't beg for food, you work pa- for Paul food. Paul talks about very clearly that's what right. you're supposed to do. If yeah, you don't work, you don't eat. If, if, yeah, it doesn't work, it doesn't eat. Yeah. So this is where, for Christians to work was to be like God, because God is a creator, and God is at work. The Bible yes. says that God is at work even now. Yep. Uh, and so it, it was interesting that the monks wanted to create energy-saving technology so that they yeah. could spend more time with the Lord yeah, and in study and in meditation on, on, on the Lord himself and in worship, which is interesting. And even, you know, it talks about the invention of the clock. You know, the, the, the Eastern cultures were sharp. I mean, they invented a lot yeah. of this technology, but it never caught on. And the reason it didn't catch on was because the culture... It was a worldview, yeah. Yeah, the worldview did not create an environment where it would be important. So go back, I thought that was interesting about the monks all needing to be on the same time, Christian right. monks, so they could get to the prayer meetings. Yeah, so they invented a <laughs> clock. I mean, it's amazing how many technology came from the monastery. I never really understood why, you know, Mendo came up with the whole genetics. Yeah, Like, yeah. all these crazy technology <clears throat> came from the monasteries, and, and now I'm learning why. Well, they freed up their time yep. through technology yep. and rationality yep. so that they could use their minds not only to, to take dominion of planet Earth, right. but so that they could have more time to use their thought processes and rationality, which we've dealt with in previous podcasts, to think great thoughts about God and to right. think about uh, these things that really matter. I mean, just imagine like the next great new, I don't know, flying cars or next new cryptocurrency came from a local <laughs> church. Yeah, you yeah, know? yeah. And that's really the context of oh, these crazy new World-changing technology came from these monasteries. And what does that say about Christian worldview in in terms of innovating and technology and applied science? Absolutely. So the idea being, again, let's free up ourselves from mindless toil by using our minds to interact with the environment to create technology 
that still gets the work done because work isn't evil. We still need to grind our grain. And so, you know, I was looking here at things like the Latin sail, which eliminated galley slaves uh, by using wind uh, technology, the wheeled plow and the horse and some of the technology that came out of taking better care of your animals like horseshoes and proper harnesses and, and changing the technology on plows so that you can get more productivity out of the fields. Um, he talked about the water mill, the windmill, and the simple thing like a crank um, and how these things revolutionized so much of work. The wheelbarrow and the flywheel. Uh, he talks about the purpose of this technology was to use human creativity for the glory of God and to serve people so that they don't have to lug yeah. heavy weights Wheelbarrow around. used to, you know, before the wheelbarrow, it was like the plow barrel, whatever they call it, is a two-man job. Yeah. Wheelbarrow reduced that cut the workforce, so yeah. it's now a one-man job. So That's you're crazy. producing more, you're eating more, yeah. you're having more crops, you're having more leisure Less time. Less people to do more, yes. Taking better care of yourself. Yeah. Um, and I thought this was interesting because it goes back to the use of our minds, and maybe it's a great place to end. Yeah. Eyeglasses. You know, when, when we get older, <laughs> it, it is a natural uh, effect that when... I had 20-20 vision until mm -hmm. I reached middle age. And then I started noticing I couldn't read this font. And I had to get some some cheaters. Ah, now I can read. Most of the world, by the time people get mid-age, yeah. they can't do certain things because they can't study. see. You they can't, can't read. read. Yeah. They can't study. So the use of their mind just completely stops. Yes, that's crazy um, when I read about that. Yeah, yeah, and so something as simple as, well, why would you even create this in the first place? Right. Because there's a desire to learn. You're wanting to understand. You're wanting to take dominion. You're wanting to create. You're wanting to innovate. But Eastern worldview says, no, this is all an illusion. So shut your eyes. You yeah. don't need your you don't eyes. Need shut to see. your eyes. Right. Meditate. Get out of touch with reality uh, because that's how you find yourself. I mean, I, I've been wearing my glasses since I was in you know, grade school. And my kids, young kids, have glasses now. Why? Because I want them to read and study and, and innovate and grow. Imagine if I don't have my glasses. My my brain will be a quarter of what it is right now, you know, because I, I haven't been able to really read. for me, that's scary. For you, yeah, it's so functional. But for me, I'm in big trouble. How about I mean, going out reading a menu at the restaurant? Oh, yeah. I'm like, I mean, like, uh, yeah, just well, pick something well, up. It's me. funny because right now I'm, I'm getting a place in which I can't see far away and I can't see close either. So I'm like... But isn't it amazing? Like, yeah. like you amazing can, You can buy this at, at a store, yes. you know, for a couple bucks. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, the cheaters anyway. Uh, and what a difference it's made in our lives. But, but you know, again, the point is technology is, again, something that people in the West take absolutely for granted, yeah. and we shouldn't take it for granted. It is the fruit of a Judeo-Christian worldview. It would not exist and does not exist anywhere in the world where Christ is not exalted, where the Bible is not loved, and where the world is not viewed, you know, through uh, the eyes of, of a God who created us and a worldview that's meaningful and rational and purposeful and people created in the image and likeness of God. I, I just want to share a thought, you know, like right now in, in the Eastern nations, India, China, some of these nations are very much catching up on technology. They're using, they're starting to use crazy amount of technology and, and whatnot. But the issue is when you cut off the source of these original intent, which we right. don't really teach about. I didn't really know about the source of glasses and clocks and whatnot. The Christian worldview to for humanizing technology and for the glory of God and workers' worship, when you cut that off, you know what the ends of technology is? Greed. Oh, yeah. You know? Domination. Domination. Yeah, power. Ambition yeah. and power. And that's why right now, like, that's the world we have today. 
because we Christians might maybe we haven't stewarded the, the 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 root to technology and capitalism innovation as well as we should have. Um, because this is kind of a lost art. This is a lost knowledge that this is the origin of why we want to innovate is for the better of mankind. We even hear people say that, oh, we want the, the purpose of technology for better men of mankind. Why? For the glory of God. Right. When you lose God, it becomes... <clears throat> and because these are precious people made in the image and likeness of God yes. and because we want to solve problems uh, that are hurting people and that are causing people to, to live in, in situations where there's disease and illness and no clean water and, and no proper housing and all these things that can be solved if you got sin and corruption out of the mix and if people truly lived for the glory of God and created for the glory of God and for the betterment of mankind. There is an angle right now of the humanitarian, like we want to go and do clean water <clears throat> and, and, and for whatever. But, but my fear is when you cut off God, eventually those good-hearted people will again fall into the, the, the mire of ambition and pride and, and competition and, and greed and all that stuff yeah. because the root of glory to God is so important to sustain this type of innovation and call. Because right now we have technology going. Technology has become a god like in our culture today. Oh, absolutely. And, and it, when we lose sight of the glory of God, it becomes a scary thing. Yeah, no, well said, well said. So again, it drives home the point we need Jesus because until Jesus deals with the fallen, wicked, carnal human heart, we're always going to use our minds and technology and innovation and wealth uh, for wicked purposes. So Lord help us. Thanks so much for watching. We're going to be excited to get back with you next week on another exciting chapter from this book. And we hope it's helping you connect the dots. And at the end of the day, just appreciate the world in which we live today. It is a, in the West anyway, it is the benefit of a God-centered, uh, Christ-exalting, biblically saturated worldview that's led to the blessing, untold blessing uh, of so many people. So we'll look forward to seeing you next Thursday.